0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So so, am I talking to the right people today that we, we, we search for this elusive gift? But I've also noticed that it's not just gifts that we're searching for. People are searching for more than just gifts. They're searching for meaning. They're searching for purpose. They're searching for reason. Questions like, why am I here? Where am I going? What is the meaning of life? Is there a purpose for my life? Is there a God? And if there is a God, does He care about me? Does He know that I even exist? And all of these thoughts kind of remind me of the very first Christmas, in particular for three men and their search for a baby boy. The title of my message this morning is simply this, Three Men and a Baby. And if you're my age, a little bit older, you may get the film reference to this title this morning, Three Men and a Baby. And these men go by a number of names. To some, these men are known as the Magi, some, to, to some they're known as the three kings, but to most of us, and most commonly, they are known as the three wise men. And I don't know about you, but I've always had a fascination with the wise men, and, and maybe, go, maybe it goes back to my school days where every year the school would do a school production and it usually involved a nativity scene. And when it came out to giving parts for the nativity scene, I always wanted to be one of the wise guys. You know, because they got to wear the cool stuff. They got to wear the crowns and the jewels and the robes. But invariably I always ended up being a shepherd, which meant you basically wore a tea towel on your head. That was a shepherd. Anyone else kind of remember those days? And, and then you saw a tea towel on your head and you became a shepherd because you had a tea towel on your head. And so I've always had a fascination with these three wise men. The truth is, we don't know much about these men. We don't know where they came from. We only know that they came from the East. Whether that's referring to Persia, India, China, or even Australia, we don't know. I mean, let's be honest, Australia is very much east of Jerusalem. And so these could have been three guys from Australia. Who knows? We don't actually know where they're from. We just know that they traveled from the east. And we actually don't know how many there were. We know that there were three gifts given. And so we assume that there were three wise men. But, but tradition would say that there was an entourage of people, and three gifts were given. What we do know and what we can conclude is that they were very wise, they were educated, and they were very wealthy. And we also know, based upon the three gifts, that one of them blew the Kris Kringle budget badly. I mean, can you imagine someone gives frankincense, someone gives myrrh, and then this overachiever comes and gives gold. I mean, how do you compete with that? Can you imagine the guys looking at and thinking, are you serious? There was a budget and you blew it. No one likes an overachiever at Christmas. So if there's a budget, stick to the budget. But while we may not know a lot about these wise men, we can learn a lot from them. And I want to read this morning in Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses. You can follow with me on the screen. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is to be born, the King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Israel with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, where is this Christ that is to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For it is what the prophet had written. But to you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, Are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Jerusalem and said, go and make careful search for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had uh, heard from the king, they went on their way and the star they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. As I mentioned before, we don't know a lot about these wise men, but I do believe there's something significant that we can learn from them. In actual fact, all the Scripture is God-breathed and is helpful for us learning something about God and something about ourselves. And so this morning, I just want to highlight very quickly three things That we can see from these men. And the first thing is this that they followed the star. We read that in verse 2. They followed the star. You see, these magi or these wise men were Persian astrologers. And while pursuing their love for the stars, they encountered a special star. And it was a star like no other. And, And this was a sign from God to get their attention. Not too dissimilar to the burning bush experience that Moses had. It intrigued Moses and so he went over to the burning bush and it was there that he received instruction from the Lord. And so it was on this night, this star just shone brighter than all the other stars and it caught their imagination and it caught their attention. And at that moment, it was God trying to get their attention that there was something going on that was beyond the normal, was beyond the ordinary. And the thing I like about this is how accessible God makes Himself when we are searching for meaning and purpose in life. It's interesting to me that God used something that they were into. That God used something that they were familiar with in order to get their attention. See, God is not a distant God. He's not a far off God. He's actually a God who wants you to know Him as He knows you. And He'll use the things that are in your life. He'll use the things that are in your world to get your imagination and to get your attention to speak to you. People often ask me about my sermon prep and, and, and how do you hear from God? I say, you know what? I love the movies. And I find that God speaks to me in many ways. And one of the ways he speaks to me is when I watch movies. Is there anyone else there who loves movies? Who knew that God could use something that you love to speak to you? God uses things that I love, that I'm familiar with, that I enjoy to get my attention about me about my marriage, about my family, about life, about meaning, about purpose. He's not a God that is distant. He's not a God that is afar off. He's a God that will use the things that you are interested in, the things that you are familiar with to get your attention in order that you might get to know Him and find answers to the questions that you have in life. And I believe today, This Christmas, 2019, God will make Himself known through some of the things that we enjoy being a part of and doing just like He did some 2,000 years ago with these Persian astrologers. The interesting thing is that the star in and of itself was not the answer, but it was just a sign to point them to a greater answer. So can I say this Christmas... In your search for purpose and meaning and life, be aware of the things in your life that are going to stand out to you even today. They followed the star. Secondly, they followed the Scriptures. You see, where did the star lead them? The star led them to the Word of God. The star led them to the Scriptures. It was the Persian astrologers that, that went to the Scriptures and said, where, where is this Christ to be born? You see, the Word of God is not an old book that is boring, untrue and irrelevant. It is as relevant today as it ever was when it was first written. Because in the Word of God, it contains His ways. It contains His will. It contains what is best for you. You know, we look at the book and uh, we can see that there are some do's and don'ts and some things that we should abstain from, some things that we should embrace. And it can sound like God is a harsh taskmaster, but that's not the case at all. God is a loving Father that wants to help you. I know with all of my three kids, we've had what I call the oven talk. And the oven talk is that conversation I had with our kids when they were much younger. And I'd get them around the oven after mum had been cooking in it. And and I'd say to them, hey kids, see this oven? This is something that cooks the beautiful meals that we eat night after night after night. But, but what you need to understand is in the cooking process, this oven gets very, very hot. And, and we need you to stay away from it and not touch it because if you touch a hot oven, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna get hurt and you're gonna get burnt. Now, I wanna ask you a question. When I had that conversation with each of my kids, was that an anti-oven message? Was that an I hate oven messages" uh, message? No, not at all. I like our oven. Our oven cooks some amazing meals. I'm actually pro ovens, I really am. But what I am anti is I'm anti the hurt and the pain that is unnecessary. What I am pro is wisdom to stay away from hot things so that you don't get burnt. And so we'd have this conversation. And I'm so grateful that our kids listen because we've never had to run them to the hospital because they burnt their hand because they touched the oven. Where did that message come from? It came out of a love for our children. It wasn't a, a I hate ovens message. It was I love my children message. And in the Word of God, there is incredible wisdom to, to abstain from certain things, to embrace certain things. Why? Because there's a God in heaven and He loves you. He's madly and passionately in love with you. And He wants you to be protected. He wants you to be loved. He wants you to be cared for. He wants you to be known by His father, uh, Him as your Father. And so when we have these signs, it's not for us to get carried away with the sign. It's for us to go back to the Word of God and say, what was God trying to get my attention on through that movie? What does the Scripture say about what God was getting my attention on? You see, without the Word of God, that's how cults start. When we just make our own interpretation of what we're seeing, or what we're thinking, or what we're feeling, it's going to lead us astray. But these wise men went to the word of God and said, Where was it that this Messiah was to be born? And from that moment, they followed the star, which led them to the scriptures. And then, thirdly, they followed the Savior. See, the scriptures led them to the Savior. When they got to Bethlehem, they found a babe in a manger. This itty bitty baby in a manger, but this was no ordinary baby. This baby was God who had come to earth. John 3:16 says it this way: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, the message of Christmas is real simple. It's this that you matter to God, you matter to God so much that he sent earth the greatest gift of all time, His Son. And the wise men encountered this incredible gift, this Saviour. And they learnt that they matter to God. And it's my prayer that you would understand this Christmas that you matter to God. And as a result of this, we see that they were filled with joy. These wise men were filled with great joy. You know, you ask anyone today... What they want in life, most people say they want to be happy. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. People want to be happy. The trouble is with happiness, it lasts about as long as we just clapped our hands. It comes and it goes. Because happiness depends on happenings. And when things are happening that we enjoy, we're happy. When things are happening that we don't enjoy, we're not happy. But when you have Jesus, you can have joy in spite of your circumstance. The Bible is filled with testimony after testimony of horrible things taking place and yet great joy being found in the midst of those horrible things. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit and it comes from Him. And these wise men were filled with joy. It goes on to say in verse 11 that they worshipped Him. And as I already mentioned this morning, He's not to be ignored, He's to be adored. See, some people look when they are the church, they're just fanatical. You know what? Everyone's fanatical about something. Everyone's fanatical about someone. Why? Because we were born to worship. And if you don't worship God, you'll worship something or someone else. If you don't give your life to God, you'll give your life to something or someone else. You'll give it to sport. You'll give it to property. You'll give it to a relationship. You'll, you'll give it to something else because we were designed by God to give our lives away. We were designed by God to worship Him. And if we don't worship Him, we'll worship something or someone else. There's a lot of people that worship themselves. You know that. You've only got to look at Instagram and see all the selfies. That, that, is, that is worship right there. I love you. I love, you're, you're, you're amazing. Oh, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're awesome. Oh my gosh. look at you. ooh, wow. I love you even more now. Oh my gosh, that angle. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. That takes place because we were designed to worship. And if you don't worship God, you worship something or someone else. These wise men were filled with joy. They worshiped Him and they gave gifts. The Christian life is about giving. It's a life that just wants to reciprocate the giving nature of God. And so we have an opportunity this Christmas to be givers. And I want to encourage you as you go and spend time with your family and friends today and over this Christmas season be a giver not just of presents but give yourself yourself uh, give to your family yourself yeah. you know kids say they want presents and they do but more than anything else they want mum and dad's presents they want you to be present and so give of yourself this Christmas and the other thing we see that they left on another route they went another way in other words the old is gone and the new has come When you give your life to Jesus, we embrace a new life. Repentance is simply turning around and walking the opposite direction to what we used to walk in. And these wise men never went back the way they came because they'd found the one. They'd found the way. People often think that God must be very narrow-minded to have only one way when it comes to following Him. But all throughout the history of humanity, we see God is madly and passionately in love with people and wanting to be in relationship with them. From the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve, and we see Adam and Eve just ignoring God and doing their own thing. And so God, in his love and his mercy, just kept loving on them. And and right throughout humanity, we see God sending prophets. We see God sending his word. We see God having sending angels over and over and over again. And at Christmas time we see him sending the greatest gift of all, his son. Jesus, a babe in a manger. People often say, Why is there only one way? Why is it for you Christians say so there's only one way to God? Why is it only through Jesus you can get to God the Father in heaven? Why is that? sounds so narrow-minded and I understand the sentiment behind that statement. But to me, it's actually the wrong question. Because when you study human history and you see God giving Himself over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, when you see Him giving not only a second chance, but a third chance, a tenth chance, when He gives us thousands of chances to get to know Him, The question is not, why is there only one way? The real question is, why is there a way at all? Why does God continue to love me when we continue to ignore Him? Christmas is the ultimate generous act of love. Where God says, you know what? You can ignore me, but I'm going to continue to love you. That's what Christmas is all about. Whether we ignore Him or not, He's going to continue to love us because He's madly and passionately in love with each and every one of us. And it's my prayer this Christmas that we would have a God encounter, that we would have an opportunity to no longer ignore Him, but to acknowledge Him and ultimately adore Him.